Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus. Do life together, get in the game and leave a legacy. If this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith, subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it too. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. We're starting a brand new series today called Jesus on fill in the blank. We, you know, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, uh, at things like politics, privilege, marriage, sex, greatness, heaven, hell, and love. Uh, why is this series important? Because it's crazy in our world how we can have opinions uh, shaped and formed by everybody and everything except what Jesus and his word have to say about it. And as followers of Christ, we've got to have a Jesus-type lens whenever we're looking at some of the most controversial topics and some of the most controversial ideas in our day. It was funny, last week, uh, last Sunday, at our 11 a.m. in-person service at the Kiln Creek Regal Theater, uh, you know, last Sunday I talked about leaving a legacy. So while we were at the in-person service, I just kind of threw out there to everybody there. I just said, hey, who is somebody in your life or somebody that you know within our world that has left a legacy? And we had people throwing out names like Martin Luther King Jr., LeBron James, Michael Jordan, MLK, you know, I already said, said him, MLK, Mother Teresa, and they threw out, a, you know, a, a, a couple more people's names. But it was shocking and crazy how not one person, even inside of Regal at that church service, yelled out the name Jesus. Um, and, and really, you know, here's the thing, right? I'm not bashing anybody. I'm not putting them down. But really, I think what that shows is sometimes, even as Christians, and church folk, we sometimes forget Jesus. And whenever we're talking about some of the most controversial stuff in our day as followers of Jesus Christ, we cannot forget what not, you know, not just what Jesus said, but what Jesus did to show us and to teach us about some of the most controversial topics in our day. So we're going to dive in. Jesus on. First topic that we're going to check out today is Jesus on privilege. Jesus on privilege. Now, some of y'all hearing the word privilege, you throw up fist and you're like, hi, John, where are you going? I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to send you that Monday morning email and, you know, I'm going to tell you what I think about this. And some of y'all are like, hey, John, talk about it. Good job. Good job bringing, bringing this, this up. You know, I'm excited. Let's talk about it. Let's go ahead and dive in. And some of you could just be like, why, why are we even talking about this in church? Why does this even matter. But here's the thing, no matter where you're at on that spectrum today, I want to ask you if you would be gracious, dive in, enter in, pull a chair up, because I really believe today that it is going to help you no matter where you're at on that spectrum. Okay, here's the thing, I don't come being uh, an expert in this topic um, or, or knowing all of the dynamics associated with this. However, my job as a pastor is to say, okay, what is our culture saying? And let's take something that our culture is talking about and that is embedded in our culture. And let's see what Jesus has to say 
about it. So today I'm doing my Christian pastor duty. Here's the thing, right? Privilege has become a buzzword in the past year, and it is almost impossible to talk about all of the implications with this word in a 30-minute message. But let me tell you how we are going to approach this. We're going to talk about what privilege is, why it's important, how people in our culture respond to it, and ultimately what Jesus said and how as followers of Jesus Christ we should respond to when we hear and talk about the word privilege. Let me throw out a definition of privilege for you. Uh, A definition of privilege is, is this, unearned access to resources that are only ready available to some people because of their status in society with regard to race, class, sexuality, gender, age, ability, citizenship, or religion. An advantage or immunity granted to or enjoyed by one societal group above and beyond the common advantage of all the other groups. Now, the, the goal today was to actually show you, uh, to, is to show you Lifehouse Online, a video by BuzzFeed that I don't typically promote buzz, BuzzFeed videos, but this one was especially good because it was showing you uh, something that they did to visually present to you what privilege could actually look like. And, but the problem was, if we showed it to you, it would get flagged, this video would, would be dropped, and we wouldn't be able to actually show you online church. So instead of actually showing you the BuzzFeed video, we're going to show you pictures of it from the actual video, and I'm just going to describe it to you. So here's the thing, right? Um, the video starts off with a, uh, uh, with a girl that says this. Some people are, <clears throat> are born into families. <coughs> Excuse me. Some people are born into families where they have to walk miles just to get water. All I have to do is walk to the faucet at my house to get water. That's privilege. And then they did something called the, the privilege walk where they lined up a diverse group of people up on the same line and read a list of 35 social privileges or disadvantages and each person had to take a step forward or step back based on how they identified with that statement. So they asked questions like, if you have ever been diagnosed as having a physical or mental illness or disability, take one step back. If you have ever been bullied or made fun of based on something that you can't change, take one step back. Uh, They also asked, if you came from a supportive family environment, take one step forward. They asked, if you grew up in a one-parent home, take one step back. They asked, if you were embarrassed by the house or car you grew up in, take one step back. They asked, if your parents didn't have enough money to pay for college, so you had to take out loans, take one step back. It listed 35 questions, and by the end, the people saw who was where. And for many of the people that participated in this, it was very, very moving for them. Some said it was all fun and games starting out, but by, but by the end of it, it was completely quiet. They said that it was hard to reflect on and very awkward. They said that it was frustrating to look behind them and see people that they love so far back. But the consensus was that it helped them not just have a concept of privilege, but a context for privilege. And as one Asian man said, it helped him see where he fell on the spectrum of privilege. And that's why I think something... Something like this is so important, how we can have a concept of something but not have a context, a person to actually associate the concept (coughs) with. Now, if you did this exercise, where do you think you would fall? 
where do you think you would, you would be on this spectrum? Now, the thing is this, right? When, you, when you're talking about privilege or an advantage, this doesn't mean that if you have privileges or if you have advantages that you are a bad person, right? It doesn't mean you should feel bad for them. doesn't mean you should feel guilty. doesn't mean you should apologize for, for, for having it. But at the same time, I believe it's vitally important as followers of Jesus Christ that we notice whatever privilege we, or advantage that we have possibly been given. And I want to give you a couple reasons why I believe noticing is so, is so important. First off, it helps you have empathy and sympathy for people who are not like you or have experienced what you have. See, and there's a difference between these two words, between these two words, empathy and sympathy. See, here's, here's the thing, right? The difference is empathy is feeling with somebody, sympathy is feeling for somebody. Empathy, you experience the feelings of somebody else. Empathy is you've had similar experiences with somebody. Empathy is you put yourself in their shoes. Now, sympathy is this. It's understanding the suffering of someone else. You acknowledge someone else's circumstances and you recognize their pain. I believe it's so important that, that we actually sympathize and do, the, and do this also. Empathize with people so we can see the people are complex, the, the people are layered nuanced and when we just try to label them in, in you know or we see their challenges or we see the trajectory of their life going in a certain direction and we say well I can't believe they would do that I can't believe they would go for that I can't believe they would act like like that here's the thing whenever you have sympathy and and empathy it says I'm just not going to label them I want to try to understand them and I believe a huge part of that is realizing and doing what? Noticing what advantages that you have had that could possibly shield you from understanding somebody in a different circumstance. As you get to know them and talk to them and hear their story, then it could possibly be you had distinct advantages that they might not have had that could have possibly put you in different trajectories in life. And that's why I believe it's so important that you have to get empathy and sympathy, feel with somebody and feel for somebody. Not just have a concept of, of a person, but get context with, with a person and hear their story, hear where they've been, how they've gotten to where they've gotten. Because what you'll eventually see is the people are layered, nuanced, and complex. But what does our culture want, want, want to do? Label people. They want to just put people into these broad, broad categories without actually talking to them and getting to know them and, and to actually understand them. And that's why I believe it's so important. One of the first steps of us doing that is saying, what advantages or privileges have I had that possibly somebody else might have not had? You know, the second reason why you need to notice or, or, or acknowledge uh, whatever advantage or privilege you, you, you might have is because you cannot leverage or use for somebody else's benefit a privilege you don't acknowledge or see that you have, right? And ultimately, and ultimately this is the whole goal of us realizing and seeing this concept of privilege, but also how it applies to us personally, is if we don't notice it and acknowledge it, we can't use it to benefit somebody else, which is what Jesus encourages us to do and what we're going to talk about later, 
right? But the thing is, right, in our culture, people typically see this concept of privilege through two different, uh, on, total, on, on total polar opposite sides. You've got one side that sees it as systemic, where it's like, the, you know, the reason why the world is the way the world is, is because of this systemic nature of privilege and and it is structural and it has created the powerful and the oppressed and 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 because of that we are in the state that we are that we are currently in within the United States. You have one group of people that say that, but then you have another group of people that see privilege through through the lens of rights and responsibilities, where they see privilege as just really a big fat myth. And they're like, hey, you've got responsibility for your own life. You shouldn't be blaming your status in life on some structural oppression or some structural privilege issues going on. You should take responsibility for your life, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make it happen. If you just do these three things, you graduate high school, don't have a kid before you get married and get a job, you will succeed. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't have the victim mentality, right? So you've got two different types, two different opposites of the way people see this concept of privilege that probably most of you fall, fall into one of those two camps. Well, the thing is, right, it's not either or, it's both and, right? I believe there, there are structural systemic issues within our country that need to be addressed, absolutely. But at the same, same, but at the same time, too, I believe it's both and, and the fact of, there, yes, we have got to teach people to take responsibility and realize that they have the power within them to do something great with their life, to take res responsibility and make something for it. But I don't believe it's 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 either or, or, or it's um, it's either or. I believe it's both and, and we've got to say, hey, these are great. But then too, I believe, I believe that as a Christ follower, there is a third option that we've got to see, and that is. We don't see it through a systemic lens. We don't see it just through a rights and responsibility lens. We see it through the lens of how Jesus handled and what Jesus did with privilege. But the thing isn't to just examine what Jesus said, but ultimately what Jesus did. Because the truth is this, right? Nobody had more privilege or was more privileged than Jesus. Nobody had more rights than Jesus. Nobody had more authority than Jesus. He could have come into the world and demanded that everybody worship him. He could have uh, came in and demanded that everybody loved him. He, he could have came in and demanded that everybody do exactly as he says. He could have, uh, have exercised his right and his power and his authority. But what we see, not from what Jesus said, but from what he did, is that Jesus did not use his power, his authority, and his privilege for his own advantage. He used it to benefit somebody else. Let me tell you really quickly what, what Paul said in the book of Philippians chapter two, uh, verses five through eight. It says, this, it says this here. It says that in your relationship with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Do you 
do you see here? It points, it points out, it says, who being in the very nature God. Essentially saying Jesus wasn't just full, fully man, he was fully God. And what did he do? Jesus took this privilege and power he had, these advantages that he had. And it says he did not consider those to be used as something to his own advantage. Instead, he made himself nothing. He lowered himself. He took his power and his privilege and used it to serve somebody else. And that should be our response as Christians. That we should say, no matter what advantage or, better, or benefit you have, whether social, racial, financial, class, educational, relational, the point isn't to say you're better than. The point isn't to feel bad, apologize, or, or feel guilty about what possible advantages or privileges you have. The point is to say, as a Christian, and to be like Jesus, how can I take this and leverage it to benefit and serve somebody else? You know, I, I can't give you every practical way to, put, to implement this or put this in your life. But I do want to possibly give one small practical example that you could probably, you know, that, that could possibly relate and you can understand. Right? Here's the, here's the thing. One of the biggest crises in our country right now is, is the lack of, of, of fathers in homes. Um, is the fact that kids, that so many kids are growing up without dads. Let me read you a few statistics. 90% of runaway and homeless children are from fatherless homes. 70% of minors housed in state facilities are from fatherless homes. 40% of, of inmates housed in jail are from homes with an absent father. With an absent father. 71% of all high school dropouts are from a fatherless household. 85% of minors in prison grew up without a father. 71% of teenagers who get pregnant come from a fatherless home. Here's the thing. We can blame shift all day. We can talk why this happens. You know, we, I mean, there are probably, it's layered, it's nuanced, it's complex, and we could get into all of the details. But here's the thing. We can blame shift all day, but what if Christian men out there said, do you know what? I will get involved and take on a father role in one fatherless child to help them overcome the statistical disadvantage they have of growing up without a father. Right? Instead of just arguing, is it systemic? Is it, you know, those kids, they should just learn to grow up and just man up without their dad. And, you know, it's just like just, you know, just rights and responsibilities. Or what is, what if Christian men just started off and said, you know what, I'm going to take a role in a fatherless kid's life and be a father figure for them. It's taking the privilege that you have and, and instead saying, I want to use it to benefit somebody else. And that's what I'm saying. What could you do? What privilege, what advantage do you have that you could help someone else? Maybe God has blessed you financially. And possibly you might say, do you know, do you know what? One of the things we said earlier about there are people, there are there are teenagers taking out student loans to pay for their college and really giving them a huge disadvantage. What if you said, God blessed you financially, and, and you said, you know what, I want to take one kid and I want to put them, take the advantage that I've got and give that to, to someone else and pay for their college. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? There are so many ways you can take whatever advantage you have and bless and help somebody else with it so they can have the same advantage that you have. Maybe it's just your presence. Maybe it's your voice. Maybe it's speaking up. Maybe it's your bank account that, that can be used. What advantage do you have that can benefit someone else? 
In John chapter 13, we see one of the greatest acts, one of the, one of the most incredible examples of Jesus laying down his position and his privilege and his power. In John chapter 13, it's where he washes his disciples' feet. I mean, just create the scene here. You've, you've got the disciples. They're having their final meal together before Jesus was to be crucified. And it says at their evening meal that Jesus took off, took off his, his outer robe, went and got a towel and basin and filled it up with water and started to wash his disciples' feet. And let me remind you, in case you did not know, Judas was one of the disciples there with Jesus. So Jesus, who was God, and Jesus, who had the power and the privilege and, and the authority, who, who had a hand in creation of these people, says he got the towel, he got the basin, and started to wash his disciples' feet, which in that day was one of the lowest roles reserved for the lowest servant. And Jesus gets down, washes his, even washes the feet of those who were going to betray him, who were going to fall asleep on him, who were going to even deny him, who were going to be say, peace out, we're gone. Those same people, he bowed down and washed their feet. And what it says here in John chapter, uh, chapter 13, verses 12 through 5 through 15, it says this here. Let me find it. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He asked them, do you understand what I've done for you? <laughs> He's asking his disciples. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash each other's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. It was Jesus emptying himself, Jesus laying himself down, Jesus saying, I know the position and the authority that I have, but I'm going to use this position and authority to love and serve you. And I just think this is so hard in our culture to lay down or to go or to go lower or to put ourselves lower. Because let's just be honest, the United States loves winning. Like we love to win. We are up and to the right people, right? We love growth. We like advancement. We like going forward. We like to conquer. And this whole concept that Jesus puts in here of not using your position, your power, and authority for your benefit and so you can have a higher place in society, but using it to benefit somebody else goes against the very cultural current that we are trying to be swept away by. We like up and coming, you know, just think about those words, up and, and, that, and that word down, right? Our culture loves upscale, up and coming, upgrade. We don't like downgrading, downscaling, down and out, right? Like that, this, this concept like of saying what advantage do you have, laying it down and using it and leveraging it for somebody else's benefit is so countercultural to what we are being taught. But here's the thing. Are you being discipled by culture or are you being discipled by Jesus? And if you are following Jesus and you are being discipled by him, a part of that is you saying, 
what advantage do I have? Have I been given? Have I been granted? You didn't earn it. You, I mean, you could be born. I mean, wh whatever do you have that you can lay down, use to benefit somebody else? Empty yourself for someone else. Andy Crouch says this here, the most transformative acts of our lives are likely to be the moments when we radically empty ourselves in the very settings where we would normally be accepted to exercise authority. Isn't that true? Here's the thing, by Jesus, by Jesus emptying and using his privilege and advantage for us, do you know what Jesus ultimately did? He leveled the playing field. You know, I said this last week. I talked about that there was a prayer in Jesus' day that rabbis would pray in the temple, and the prayer would actually start off with, God, thank you that I am not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. They were actually praying that. Why? Because those three classes of people, a Gentile, a slave, and a woman, they were not privileged people. They were people in the lower class of society, and Jewish men would actually pray that. <laughs> it's, it's actually in, in, insane thinking that, but there was such a concept of privilege embedded in their culture that it was actually embedded into their prayers. But the crazy thing is, right, when Jesus came, he leveled the playing field. Let me show you. Galatians chapter 3. Verse number 23 through 20, or excuse me, 26 through 28. This is what Paul says. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what Paul is saying here. He is telling these Jewish men, hey, when you go into the temple and they tell you to pray that prayer, you can't pray that no more. You can't say, well, you know, thank God that I'm not this, this, this. Why? Because Jesus came and leveled the playing field. He, he said, no, in Christ Jesus, we are one. There is no classism with him. There is no racism with him. There is no level of privilege. Actually, in regards uh, and really within comparison with God, we are not privileged at all. So therefore, since you have been given privilege by God, you are then called to help use whatever privilege you have been granted for the benefit of someone else because that's what God did for you. I want to close today, Romans chapter 5. This has been one of my favorite, this has been one of my favorite verses lately. About how Jesus used his privilege to give us privilege. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says this here. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I love that. How, what it says here, through our faith in Christ, that Christ Jesus has brought us as followers of Jesus Christ into a place of undeserved privilege. Basically what he's saying is the, is the right standing that we now have as Christians 
as followers of Jesus. The right standing we have with God is nothing we earn or nothing that we have done. It's because of what Jesus has done when he died on the cross in our place and for our sin and rose and defeated Satan, sin, and death. He is saying, Jesus put aside his privilege to give it to us. And because Jesus has has privilege, he has right relationship with God, yet he laid himself down. He put his privilege to the side to become like us, to sympathize with us, empathize with us. Then because he laid down his privilege so we could have privilege, we could be in right standing with God just as Jesus is in right standing with God. He's saying that because we have done that and because we've got this, this privilege now, we should be thankful for it, but then too, it should be something that we then should grant and give to others. Here's the thing. What privilege do you have and how can you leverage it? This is, this is the heartbeat of Jesus and this is the heartbeat of this message and this is the heartbeat. When we say, what would Jesus say or what would, what, what would Jesus do about privilege? Not just what he would say, but it's about what he did and what he showed. And he took it and leveraged it and used it for somebody else's benefit. And that's why instead of having a, a view of rights and responsibilities, is it right or is it just systemic? It's, I believe it's both of those things, but at the same time, as Christians, we have a third lens. And that's the way Jesus says it, where instead of arguing and fighting over we say, what privilege do we have as Christians and how can we use it for the benefit of somebody else? Jesus shows us what to do with the privilege that we have. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard or said yes to Jesus for the first, second, or third time today, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next steps in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 8.30 a.m. or 10.15 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit lifehousenn.com for more information or to reserve your live worship service spot today.